Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Here, we are focused on making things happen and getting to that next level. Really quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with a few friends too. Today, I'm excited to have Mike Golden with us, who is one of the co-founders and co-CEOs of At Properties, Christie's International Real Estate. As you'll hear on the show, when I made the move into real estate, I wanted to align myself and be a part of a firm that was world-class and at properties, well, they are just that. They have gotten it right. They are top-notch. They are prestigious. And as the number one brokerage in Chicagoland, they know how to dominate the game. In this episode, Mike and I will chat about the importance of differentiation, focusing on the bigger picture and not just a single transaction, building a winning culture, and more. Have a listen in. Mike, it's great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us today. I know you are a very busy person, so I really appreciate you carving out some time for us. Welcome to the show. Well, Jan, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Excited to be here. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to our chat. Last month, we kicked off season four of the podcast. And one of the things that I'm really emphasizing on the show this year is it's not just about moving the ball, but it's about elevation, getting to that next level, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, really going against the grain and to dominate. And I'm having guests on who have done just that, been at the top of their game, are doing great things. And so I know you've got such great insights to share with our audience today. Now, one of the things that I always say is moving the ball is about and dominating is about differentiation and separation. Differentiation, meaning the differentiated value that you bring to the table relative to your competitors or others that are playing whatever business game it is that you are. Separation, meaning what are the things that you do differently to set yourself apart from others out there? So when you started as a real estate agent, before you were a broker, you were an agent, one of the top sales agents in the city of Chicago. How did you differentiate yourself in terms of the value you brought to your clients? It's a great question. And, you know, it was a lot different back then where you didn't have the internet, you didn't have the technology and the tools that we have now. So it was more difficult in many ways to differentiate yourself. Back then, a lot of the people were long-term relationships and people were in the business for a long time and they built their business and eventually they'd bring someone in with them and that's how the business kind of rolled. So it was very, very different when Thad and I both started selling and that you didn't have the things now that I think it makes it easier to differentiate yourself with. So back then, it was a ton of hard work. I would say the one thing that distinguished ourselves is we were always available. You could call us pretty much anytime, 
any hour and we were going to answer. We we're going to be responsive. So we worked incredibly hard to distinguish ourselves. We were always available when we, we did market ourselves. So we did understand the importance of even your own brand. We worked hard to get our signage out there. We worked hard to do some of the more simple things that you could do back then, like postcard mailings. But overall, I would say it was more of like a ton of hard work and always being available really made a big difference. Oh, for sure. And a service-based business, when you have clients that they're trying to fit in their needs outside of their normal day-to-day, being available is an important piece to building trust. And with a client, knowing that you're there, you've got their back, you're able to help them at a time that's convenient with their schedule as well. Yes. We always found that being flexible was, was really key. Our business is a lot more odd, different hours. Like you said, people that are working full-time, they have nights, they have weekends, and that's when they need their service. So you just, you had to be available for them. Absolutely. And so when we talk about separation, like it's the daily practices and habits that we know that drive our outcomes and the people that are most successful implement the right habits for their particular profession. So there are some things that are important, no matter what business you're in. For example, there's a topic in my book called managing the game clock, how you spend your time we know is important, no matter what business you're in. But when it comes to real estate specifically, there are activities that are going to be more productive that you spend your time on than someone who is sitting in a fortune 500 company that's not looking at growing their business that's not a commission-only type of profession. What were some of the things that you did differently relative to your peers that you think really helped you when it comes to looking at your time and just the daily practices that you had? You know, when I look back, I would say there's a number of things that we did right. I would say we also didn't exactly know 100% what we were doing. We were kind of making it up as we went along. Again, it was very, very different back then. When I mean, when I first started, I didn't even have a cell phone. I had a pager, and I thought it was really cool to have a pager. But you know, it was different because you couldn't be kind of everywhere all the time and available all the time. So you had to really work to do that. I mean, one thing that I think differentiated Thad and I back then is that we were a team before there were teams. So by having two of us. It was like one plus one equaled three. We could do so much more for our clients because we always had each other to rely on. Again, that's changed a lot now because now you have these massive teams, but they didn't exist when we were selling back in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. Teams weren't really even a a thing back then. So one of the things we also did is we, we really worked hard to time block ourselves because we knew that if we didn't focus on marketing, if we didn't focus on building our business, when we were busy, it would be great. But then all of a sudden, when you're not busy, your business can definitely slide. So for us, we focused a lot on making sure we consistently made time to prospect, to always be looking to fulfill our pipeline, and to really make commitments to spend time doing some of the things that maybe aren't quite so exciting. Obviously, the fun part for us as real estate agents and real estate brokers is being out with clients, looking at property, working on sales, but it's all the work that you do behind the scenes that lays the groundwork to grow your business that is critically important. So again, we didn't have the kind of plans that we've developed at At Properties now for all of our team, but we had sort of what I would say very preliminary versions of them back then. And we worked hard to make sure that we were always doing things to build our pipeline, always doing things to build our business as opposed to just working on our business and then waiting for things to come. That makes sense. Absolutely. And there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I really like. The time blocking, that's such an important element, whether you're in real estate or not, is when you put in your calendar dedicated times for specific tasks, the likelihood of you doing them are a lot greater than if you don't build that into your calendar because it's easy to get consumed with other things. And so that time blocking is important for the important activities as well as the ones that are not as 
fun, but need to get done for your business. And something you made me think about too, is you have obviously been successful as a real estate agent. You've built a world-class brokerage with that at Properties Christie's International Real Estate. But people that are successful love what they do. And it's clear that you really enjoy being a part of real estate. When you first got into the profession of real estate, I had read that you had done it part-time while going to grad school. What kind of piqued your interest about getting into this profession? I did do it part-time. It was actually, I did not go to grad school. I wanted to go to grad school. I was a couple of years out of college and I my, my first job was consulting job where I worked, you know, 70 hours a week. It was kind of crazy schedule. And then I left that after a couple of years and went into the corporate world. And it was like so different. Working 40, 45 hours a week was a lot for in the corporate world. So I was bored. I didn't have family. I didn't have kids or anything. I didn't have those things. So I applied to grad school. I didn't get into where I wanted to go, but I had a connection there. And they're like, well, you know, get another year of experience. You'll get in and reapply. So I said, no, you know, I've never had really much sales experience. So I had just bought a place in the city and the broker that I worked with was like, you should get your license and come sell with us. Sure. He said that to everybody, but I said, okay, sure. I'll get my license. I can make a little extra money. And I'll get some sales experience. So I kind of got into it part-time. I never really envisioned myself doing it full-time when I started. But as soon as I got into it, and I saw all the opportunities that were there. And the, the thing I liked the most about real estate is that you weren't pigeonholed into doing one thing. I mean, if I tell you about some of the work I did, especially when I was a consultant, it was very pigeonholed and very boring. But with real estate, you had so many different things you can do. Obviously, sales was the primary job at the time, but you could also invest in real estate. You could develop real estate. You could do commercial. You could do residential. You had so much opportunity to do different things. I will say, I got my license in 1995. So I've been in the business almost 28 years and I've never been bored in 28 years. And I can tell you, I can remember my old jobs, like literally being at work and being bored. I've not been bored a day. So that was what I think I found most intriguing and exciting about it. But it wasn't something I ever envisioned that I'd be doing. And I still thought when I started, I'll still go back to business school and go back into a corporate job or something. And obviously, 28 years later, haven't done it yet. Maybe someday. Probably not. <laughs> Real estate is exciting. There's all kinds of different things that you can pursue. There's each deal has different elements to it as well. There's some fun things about real estate. There's some things that are not as fun, including like tasks that you alluded to that you got to get done just to work on your business and work in your business. But also sometimes you don't get the client to go with you. There's the rejection part. And people talk about if you want to be successful in real estate, you have to be able to deal with rejection. Can you think back to a time where you might have had a scenario like that that didn't quite go in a favorable way? And how do you deal with, how do you overcome that rejection and keep moving? That was my partner. So we never lost. <laughs> he refused to lose. No, listen, in any role, particularly in a sales role, you have to be able to deal with rejection. You have to put your best foot forward and realize that you're not going to win every time. But you should learn every time you don't win. You should always say, okay, what could I have done differently? How could I have positioned myself better? And sometimes it's totally out of your control. But there are times where he said, you know what, I could have been more prepared for the presentation. I could have brought things beforehand. I mean, if, if you go through the process, we encourage our agents to work with, we encourage them to drop material off before they even show up at the house. Do pre-work so that you show how on top of things you are. It's all about showing that you're going to bring value to the transaction. And it's very different. Because like I said, when I started 28 years ago, there wasn't the internet. Zillow didn't exist. Redfin didn't exist. The information wasn't out there. So the value proposition of a real estate agent back then was really information. We had control of the information. 
Now the information's out there. So I think that the key is figuring out how you can constantly create more value for yourself and then realize that, you know, you've got to be able to roll with it sometimes. But you also have to realize that just because you get rejected once doesn't mean that it's not going to work out longer term. I can remember a client that and I pitched. It was a smaller deal and they ended up choosing someone else because they were willing to do it cheaper than we were. And we were kind of bummed out about it, but we said, you know, it's not worth us cutting our fees. And about four months later, they called us. This was like a six unit, small six unit conversion. They called us a few months later about a 40 unit building and we didn't cut our fees and they did hire us because we had done everything right and we continue to stay in touch. So really, if you talk to Thad, because Thad's done a lot of the recruiting for our company over the years, you know, he'll tell you stories of talking to people for years before they finally joined us. So you can't sort of take rejection and like focus on it. You have to learn whatever you can from it, try to do better each time, but also realize that in the world that we're in, you have to be able to roll with that. And if you have a good support system, you have a good team, you have like our trainers and coaches are all here for you. They will help you understand that you have to roll with that and help you understand how you can do things better and try to prepare yourself better. But rejection is probably the best life lesson, much more than success. If you constantly have success, you start getting jaded and you take it for granted. If you get knocked down a little bit, you're going to be stronger when you get back up. I like that. And something else you made me think about too is, I mean, obviously you have to be prepared so that you can have the best chance of getting that client sale, right? And getting their trust and showing why they should go with you. Something else that you mentioned is in the first sale, you didn't want to reduce your fees. They didn't end up going with you. They went with you on a bigger deal later. Sometimes it's all about timing and the time to work with someone is not right today, but you cultivate that relationship. You stay in touch with them and there might be an opportunity to work with them later. I think a lot of people get so short-sighted with they focus on this potential transaction versus the relationship that once that first sale was a no, they move on to somebody else. Instead of continuing to follow up with those people and continue to stay in contact, you never know when that could lead to business down the road through that person directly or from someone in their sphere. Totally agree. And I think having the bigger picture view, the long-term view is really important. It's not about one transaction. It's about the long-term. It's about the relationships. It's about building your business over the long haul. Real estate is not a, well, I'll go do it for a year and then go do something else. That would be a complete waste of your time. You're building a business for yourself. So you have to invest in that business and realize that what you said is totally, totally applicable. It's all about timing. So many things about timing. If I look at some of the successes and some of the failures that Thad and I have had over the years, a lot of them were based on timing, especially a lot of our successes. It's about hard work. It's about luck. It's about timing. I mean, it's about everything. And you you have to kind of realize that. And if you're going to run your own business, which basically every real estate agent runs their own business, you have to be able to deal with a little bit of failure. You have to be able to deal with adversity. You have to be able to deal with setbacks because it's not all perfect. Just like our markets aren't perfect. We're up and we're down. If you're in a cyclical business, you have to be able to deal with the cyclicality and the ups and the downs of the business. But that's what makes it fun and interesting and challenging. And that's what allows you to really excel over other people. If you're willing to do the hard work, be consistent, be available, do all those things, you can outwork and become more successful in this business than way more than the average if you're willing to do that. For sure. And the things that you mentioned too, I mean, it goes beyond real estate to those who might be listening who aren't in the profession of real estate. I mean, those that building those relationships, thinking bigger picture beyond the initial transaction, all of those things are important regardless of what business you're in. So I just want people to take those away that those apply to even if you're not a real estate agent. 
Now you talked about the cyclicality of real estate. So right now, 2023 is an interesting time. It's not going to be as easy to get the volume that you did in 2021 and 2020 and and prior years. So when you look at navigating through this market and the uncertainty, what advice would you give to those who are in the profession of real estate and thinking about how am I going to continue to be successful this year specifically? Well, it may sound crazy, but actually, I look forward to these opportunities more than the great opportunities. Because you're right, 2020 and 2021 were fun, great years. But it's sort of like the you know high tides raise all ships. Like it was easy, so everyone was doing it, and it was easy. But now, when things are more challenging, this is where true professionals get to shine. This is where well, we expect our volume may be down this year. It will most likely be down because the market's going to be down. But our market share can grow. And really, it's about taking the opportunities to grow your market share. And that's from a company perspective all the way down to the individual agent. So each agent should be looking to grow their market share in the areas that they work in. And the great thing is, and we've been through this a number of times. So I look back to 2008, 2009, 2010, that time frame. You know, we made big investments in our business then. We really doubled down. And when we started coming out of it before the market recovered, and when the market recovered, we really shot out of it because we had laid the groundwork. We had captured market share. And the opportunity is to do all the things right now because a lot of agents will get frustrated, demoralized, bummed out, whatever. And instead of putting the work in, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to work on my prospecting for the next hour and a half, they're, I'm just going to go to the gym for the next hour and a half, or I'm going to watch Netflix for the next hour and a half or whatever. So we saw the same thing during COVID. If you looked at what happened for those first couple of months, some people literally went down the rabbit hole and hibernated. Other people really engaged. And for everyone who was here during that time, if you remember, we were on Zooms with our team, whether it's me, Thad, Kevin, and Amy, and everyone on our team. We were on Zooms constantly helping people understand how to lay the groundwork, what they could be doing while they were stuck at home, the things they could be doing to engage with their clients when everyone was stuck at home. And the reality is they did that work, and we benefited, and they benefited tremendously from it because our market share grew a ton in that time period as well. So to me, these periods that are more difficult are the best opportunities because, as I said, when it's easy, everyone can do it and everyone does it. When it's hard, that is where you can distinguish yourself, and that's when you can build your market share. And then when you come out of it, you really get to take advantage of it. For sure. And the people that are really generally involved in real estate, those are the people that are going to excel because they love what they do. And so in these challenging markets, they embrace the challenges and the struggle. And they say, you know what, I'm going to figure out what do I need to do? How do I need to adapt to continue to, I'm going to double down on myself and go all in, whereas other people are scaling back their marketing expenditures when their budgets and stuff, because they're afraid of what could happen instead of saying, you know what, it's just another thing we have to overcome. And when you look at high performers, you can take them in any situation and they'll figure it out because that's what they're just wired to figure things out. And when you love what you do, it makes it easier to do that too. A hundred percent. And you'll see that when the markets are down, the top producers generally produce more. Now, their business may be down because if the market's down a lot, but again, their market share, their percentage generally goes up because like you said, they're the ones that distinguish themselves by hard work, by doing all the right things. And that's what this business is all about. It's not the big things. It's all the little things. And and the reality is it's not just our business, it's any business. And you you alluded to it before, relationships. Relationships are key in pretty much almost any business. Those are the things you focus on. It doesn't matter whether it's real estate or software sales or pretty much anything else. All those components are definitely key. 
For sure. So let's talk about you and Thad. You branched out on your own, started at Properties. I had Thad on the show a few weeks back and he talked about the journey to launching at Properties, but we didn't talk about the name. And as someone who I'm a brander, do a lot of branding consulting, I like to find out from people, how did you come up with the name? I do know the story, but I want you to share that with, how did you come up with the name of Ad Properties, the look, the feel, the color? I mean, I look at businesses. I used to work in multiple Fortune 50 companies. And when you're a part of some of the world's most powerful global brands, you pay attention to those things. So when I wanted to join a real estate firm, at was one that was at the top of my list just because it seems like when I was on the outside looking in, you guys were doing all the right things. So tell us about the name and kind of how you came up with that brand. So we started the company in 2000. And you know, if you looked at companies back then, their names, Caldwell Banker, Caning and Stray, Rubloff, all people's names. Well, the Golden Wong didn't really resonate with us as a real estate brokerage company, maybe a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> but not so much. You know, when we looked at 2000, that was also when kind of NASDAQ was flying. It was just before the first kind of tech bust. So it was sort of early tech. So we said, okay, we want to name ourselves something that'll resonate with people. I remember Thad was shopping over the holidays and Bloomingdale's had done this big display and there was all these at signs hanging in the window like ornaments. And, you know, the internet was just starting to get talked about. Like the internet was there, but there really wasn't much to it. And we just said, this seems like this is going to be the way of the future. We really had a lot of foresight. Maybe we would have invested in all those companies like Google and everything. But but we just kind of felt like, okay, the internet's going to be the wave of the future. How do we associate ourselves with it? And, you know, we kicked around a bunch of different names. And we eventually came up with at properties because we just felt it was simple. It was difficult in the beginning because you thinking back in 2000, someone says, what's your company? You said, at properties. And they said, at what? And you say, at properties. And they said, well, how do you spell it? We're like, okay, you have to look at the little number two on your keyboard, that little at sign with a circle around it, that properties. You couldn't find us in a phone book. You couldn't Google us. No one was using Google then. So it was a little challenging in the beginning. But you know, now that we've built our brand here, our brand is well known. But we wanted to have a perception of being a technology forward-thinking company. And in reality, we were not heavily invested in technology in the beginning because back then it was a bad use of money. You know, it was expensive and it didn't produce much, but we wanted the perception that we were on that cutting edge. Reality is we didn't even have our website for the first like year, year and a half we were in business. We just had like a landing page. My brother designed this landing page with our colors and this like pyramid that rotated. And that was pretty much it. But we said, okay, we can create the perception that we're a technology company. It was amazing. People thought we were like, oh, you guys don't have any physical offices, right? You're just a technology company. And we we're like, no, we have physical offices, but we think technology is important. And, and the reality now is that we really have truly evolved ourselves into a total tech-enabled brokerage company. We've been on the cutting edge of developing. We've developed all of our own technology. We've done what everyone else talks about doing. I mean, I know Compass is that they're going to build this end-to-end -end solution Said they went out and bought a bunch of different software companies and integrated other software together where we've actually built that sort of proprietary end-to-end -end technology. So we've kind of walked the walk over the long haul. But in the beginning, we were sort of fake it till you make it, I guess. One of the things that you had said that culture is the most important thing and you and Thad wanted to create a place where you enjoyed coming to work every day. Talk to us about what were some of the important pieces you wanted to instill in the culture of At Properties? Well, I think positivity was really important. If you look at where Thad and I worked, we worked for a small brokerage company. The guy that ran the company at the time, it wasn't, he didn't treat people really well. And people didn't love working there. I mean, I can remember like receptionists crying after getting yelled at. And it wasn't a positive atmosphere. Thad and I had our own little world. 
it was a small company, but it wasn't a real positive place to go to work. And we said, okay, we at the time, we spent like most of our waking life working. The one thing that's important is that like we want to go to a place where we enjoy and we want to create a place that the people that work with us enjoy going to as well. We felt like if people were attracted to our culture and, and enjoyed going to work, they'd A, want to work more and B, be happier. So for us, having a supportive, positive culture has always been very, very important. And, you know, if you look at our just our general perception, like our love campaign and some of the other pieces, we really try to walk the walk on that because we think it's really important. We want our team to feel good about coming to work. And whether that be our receptionists, our leadership team, our agents, doesn't matter. We want people to enjoy being here because, A, it's just more fun for us because it, to us, it is all about the relationships. But also, it's just common sense from our perspective. I mean, people are going to perform better if they're happier. And if they're treated well and they're valued, they're going to stay and they're going to enjoy it. And I think that we've been successful there and that you know, our company is what almost 23 years old. We have more than one person who's been here more than 20 years. And there weren't a lot back then. So I do feel like we've created a culture and a group. And it's not just us that have created it. The reality is it's everyone here that's really created that culture and that positive feeling. And we've just been incredibly fortunate to bring in great people whether they be our agents or our leadership team or our staff, they'd all buy into that same idea. And you mentioned the love campaign. I'm glad you mentioned that word because as a business, you need to be thinking about what things do you want to be associated with your brand? And so you have a lot of love pieces that are in the office, that are magnets and all kinds of things. And that's really become a big part of what At Property stands for. Whose idea was it to come up with the love campaign? That was definitely Thad. That is a, a brilliant marketing mind. I have to give him credit for building our brand and brand perception. Like if you going way back to when we were marketing and advertising ourselves years ago, you said it before. It's like you have to be different sometimes. So we were very different. Where most of the advertising back then were those tiny little boxes with a picture of a house you couldn't see and maybe like two or three lines below it of what it was. We did some of that, of course, because we had to, but our ads were much different. They were much more lifestyle. There was much more things that people would associate with and, and like love. I mean, who doesn't love love? There's not a person in the universe that doesn't want love in their life. So we felt like, okay, if we can associate ourselves with that, it's a great association and it sends the right message. And I think it also pulls on the human connection of people too, especially in real estate. I mean, real estate is a big deal for a lot of people because they're looking at where's my next home going to be? Where do I want to feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I can come and relax and enjoy my time with my family. And so it's a very personal decision where you look to sell your house and buy your house. And so I think the more that you can pull on those human emotions and connect is a great way to get people interested in who you are as a brand, as a business, and what you can do to help them achieve their goals. Totally. And people could definitely associate with and relate to a lot of our marketing and advertising. And, and then we become known for that. And you talk about how do you distinguish yourself? Well, as real estate brokers and real estate brokerages, we're all doing the same business. So everyone kind of did it the same way before. But by doing it a little bit different, you know, People remember us. People think about us differently. Again, as I said before, it's all the little things. It's not one big thing. It's the little things. For sure. And you talk about people remembering you. That's what you want is you want people to remember the experience, whether it's a transaction or just an interaction or some touch point, because then when they have a need, they will then come back to you or they'll refer somebody to you. So it's all about leaving that lasting and differentiated impression. 100%. 
I totally agree. So, Mike, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to do some fun things with my two minute drill. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Mike, we are back. Are you ready to get into the two-minute drill? I will do my best. All right, we're going to ask you some fun questions. First one is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? I would say I'm patient. And I think that my partner would describe me as patient. I would say I'm empathetic as well. I think you have to be when you work with as many as salespeople that we do, especially with the business that they're up and down, they see the ups and downs. I think you have to be empathetic. And I guess I hope people would say I'm kind, but you have to ask someone else about that one. All right. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I don't know. I'm pretty transparent in an open book. Played the trombone when I was in high school, but I'm pretty sure I'm tone deaf, so I was terrible at it. I was on the math team in high school, so maybe I wasn't the coolest kid in town, but pretty good student. I mean, there's nothing like crazy different about me, I would say. Okay. Next question is, would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company, and why? Well, given that Thad and I are the co-CEOs of probably you know a plus, half a billion-dollar-plus company right now, I'd go with the champion of my sport, A, because I've never experienced it because I wasn't an athlete, and B, I think it'd be really cool. And I think running a billion-dollar company would be that much harder. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Well, I will listen to your podcast when they come out. So that would be my podcast. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. I probably should more. And in terms of reading, for me, I read at night, most nights, but I like to read more like fiction. That's how I decompress. So whether it be like... John Grisham, David Baldacci, stuff that's a little bit more kind of fun and relaxing. I wish I could say I'm reading, you know, a really deep business book, but I'm not, unfortunately. Well, reading doesn't have to be all about business books or personal development growth. So fiction is also a great way to decompress. And John Grisham is one of my favorite. Are you a paperback person or are you a Kindle ebook type of a reader? I'm definitely iPad. Yeah, it's so much easier. I mean, I like the idea of a book, but then my wife likes to go to sleep. And if I have a light on, she gets mad at me and I don't want to get up and I don't want to get yelled at. So I sort of turn my light way down on my iPad and read very quietly in the corner. All right. Next question is, if you could have any song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? It's funny. The one song that I I like that I've heard, and it's more of a sports thing, is that theme from Narcos. It's a great like entry song. So I guess I'll go with that one, even though I'm not sure if that's a great answer or not. It's whatever song you want. We'll we'll go with the theme from Narcos. That would be as I would be coming out. I gotcha. What would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? That's really hard because I really, really like what I do now. I love the relationship side of it. I guess I would love to invest and mentor other businesses. I think that that would be interesting, especially with all the things that Thad and I have done over the years, the ups and down experience we've had. I think it would be fun to maybe be more in the kind of private equity world, investing, but also helping businesses grow. Great answer. Next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? 
I'd probably say Italy just because I love the food and the wine there. I would say for a quick trip. I mean, there's lots of places I'd like to visit. And I guess private plane, maybe going to like Australia, New Zealand would be nice because that's a long flight. So doing it in a private plane would be great. But if I had to pick a place off the top of my head right now, I'd probably go to Italy. Good choice. Any particular city? Florence. Okay. And the bonus question is M&M's, plain or peanut? Peanut all the way. Okay, that's my favorite too. So we're going to be closing the show here in a few minutes, but I think it's important when you're in business that you get to work with great people that you love and you enjoy being around and that really help challenge you and kind of push you to the next level. And you and Thad have known each other for a long time. And I know Thad would love for you to answer this. What are the three things that you most love about working with Thad? A, I love his energy because it never ceases. And I think it helped drive all of us to be better. I also love the fact that he refuses to lose. I would never, ever, ever want to compete against that ever, ever on anything, because no matter what, he can dig down deeper than anyone else. And just as a person, I mean, we've been friends and partners for what, 26 plus years. And I've always been so impressed with his self-awareness. He's always very self-aware for good and for bad of the things that he's doing well and the things that he needs and wants to improve on. So he's the literally the most self-aware person probably I've ever met and always willing to evolve and change and be flexible, especially in the business side of it. You know, we've been together a long time. While we've had our differences on things and we don't agree on all, we've never had any major disagreements that we weren't able to resolve. So I think the two of us work well together because of his personality. And just as an addition, the thing I always describe, I find that to be kind of a force of nature. Like, like he just moves things along better than anybody else. So like the rest of us can ride his coattails a little bit sometimes and it always works out well. And you mentioned his energy level. That's something that he and I I talked about when he was on the show because he does have a high level of energy. It is infectious and it really just gets people moving and wanting to do great things too. And yes, he is definitely a fierce competitor and that's why he is good at what he does as well. I think Thad makes everyone else around him better by how he works. And he is hardest and works hard on himself than anybody else. So he walks the walk and I, I really do think it does bring out the best in all of us. And that's what a true leader does, right? I mean, a good leader, a great leader is going to bring the best out of people and make them better because he is around them or they are around him. So yeah, I love working with that and getting to be a part of the app properties culture and family. And you guys are just doing phenomenal things with the company. And I'm excited to see where we continue to go this year and appreciate you being on the show. Any last thoughts for the listeners, Mike? No, I just, if anyone listened this far, thank you, because I appreciate it. I know it's hard to get to the end of these. And, you know, more than anything else, the most important thing I think is you enjoy what you do. If you enjoy what you do, you're going to do it better. You're going to be happier. And if you don't enjoy what you do, you need to find something else. And that's why I think that and I have done this for so long, because we truly enjoy what we do. We love the relationships. We love helping people build their business. And obviously, we love this company. But and it's really about our team. I mean, for us, we've been so fortunate to build a great team. And that's what it's all about. It's all about the people you work with. It's all about the relationships. So that's the most important thing is to enjoy it, enjoy your life and be happy. Great final thoughts. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us today. Dan, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you like today's episode and you have not yet done so, make sure you follow the podcast so that you never miss a future episode and also share the show with a few friends too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you are inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. 
Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.